You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Oh, big night. Big night at the Tribunal. Having a hard time knowing if we're on air at the moment, but we'll just go with it. Big night at the Tribunal tonight. Toby Green will not play. And it's been a massive day for the AFL and the AFLW. The game is complete. 18 teams from AFLW 7. Heaps to talk about. Uh, Yes, indeed. Very good evening to you, wherever you're finding us, however you're finding us. Uh, welcome to the Sporting Capital. We're uh, in a very different studio this evening, Jam for Spots. And uh, just for a moment there, I thought, I don't know if you're actually on air at the minute, but it looks like I'm getting the thumbs up and we are all good. Uh, so it is uh, great to have your company on a massive day. So heaps to get through in the next hour. Now, normally we'd be doing footy tender on a Thursday night, but I'm only with you till 8 o'clock as we're going to hand over to England and India, the second test. Adam Collins and a great team assembled uh, to take you through the first day of action in the second test as we build up to a massive summer uh, of Ashes cricket. So there's a fair bit to get through. The lines are always open, one three hundred seven three six seven three six or 433 off the temper text. Temper, a mattress like no other, just for good measure, a little cherry on top for tonight. Uh, the man who claimed our very first medal in the decathlon, Ash Maloney, uh, 21 years of age, bronze medalist at the Tokyo Games. Uh, he's had a week for it to sink in. He's going to join us uh, after 7.30. We're going to be joined by Michael Whiting, the fish from afl.com.au. He was there uh, for the appeals board hearing of Toby Green trying to get uh, what was initially a two-game suspension handed down by the MRO that was then downgraded to a one-match suspension at the tribunal. And they took it to the appeals board, hoping that he would be able to play this weekend in a do-or-die do-or-die. Mid, well, it's a do or die. It, it is a final. It is a, it is essentially a win or go home final. Uh, the winner of Giants and the Tigers um, looking likely to claim a spot in the top eight. So it's a regular season final for both those teams. And it's just got shades of 2019, this, doesn't it? After the semifinal, making uh, contact to the, to the face of Lockie Neal, Took it this far at that time, did the Giants, and they couldn't get him off at the appeals board either. He missed the prelim against the Pies. They're able to win that game, and will history repeat coming into this game? They need to win without Toby Green. He's been their most influential player all year. He's captained them for most of the year. He's having an all-Australian year, elevated his game to being in the best handful of players in the competition. So he is crucial. And they've made some big changes. We'll work our way through those in just a moment as well. 
Um, but he is their most important player and he will not play against Richmond. A man that was there uh, to go through a process that took from 3 o'clock this afternoon to just before 6.30 this evening. So he would be exhausted. He's heard phrases and legal mumbo-jumbo and uh, points of order that he never thought he would have to experience. And it was a a three-and-a-half-hour ordeal, probably more for Toby Green, but Michael Wilding does a ripping job covering it uh, for the AFL, AFL afl.com.au. Fish, hello to you. Uh, Just bear with me, having trouble getting him to air here. Fish, hello to you, mate. Have you got me there? Yeah, you got me, Sammy. Beautifully done. That's all right. We just uh, we got some gremlins in the desk tonight, mate. Um, thanks for joining us. I know you're really busy. You're gonna have to file, and uh, there's heaps happening for you off the back of this. But just take us through tonight. Uh, what was the process? What did the Giants argue? Uh, how did this all unfold? Yeah, mate. It was a, as you touched on. It was a pretty long process. Um, there was there was two hours of evidence given, mainly from. Toby's defence lawyer, Adrian Anderson. Obviously, once it gets to the appeal stage, um, it's incumbent on you to prove that um, the jury was unreasonable on Tuesday night, Tuesday night's tribunal. So the crux of um, the Giants' argument really came down to um, the wording of careless conduct, which Toby was was trying to fight. Um, uh, Yeah, and Adrian Anderson argued that there was an error in law in the way that the jury judged that careless conduct uh, on Tuesday night. So a lot of it came down to that and, and what would, was reasonable and unreasonably foreseen by Toby in the incident. So, um, mate, we went backwards and forwards for a couple of hours on that and then there was a, a 60 to 75 minute deliberation by the appeals board and it, and it came back and Toby's appeal was dismissed. So, yeah, he misses out tomorrow night, which is obviously a huge blow for the Giants. So, Fish, just take us through this. Last night I had Ian Finlay on, uh, who you'd know that name well. He was a 40-year player advocate and has uh, defended some of the biggest names in the game at the tribunal. He was really strong on how it was just unacceptable that the AFL had a rule in place that uh, you can't cite examples from this season um, to try and get a player out of a suspension or in these kind of proceedings. You can't cite examples from this season said it's grossly unfair. When it gets to the appeals board stage, are they then, and were they able to today, cite maybe Bailey Fritz from earlier in the year? No, there was no... um, None of that at all. There was no citing of previous incidents. We didn't actually watch a lot of vision from the incident itself. There there was a bit, obviously. The the Giants were arguing about um, whether it was reasonably foreseeable for Toby... Um, you know, to see what was coming. And so we went through the incident again a little bit and it was uh, freeze-framed and shown that from the time that he gathered the ball to the time impact was made was 0.12 of a second. And they also argued that Patrick Dangerfield's right foot slipped, which slightly threw his head backwards before contact. So we did see um, plenty of replays of the incident itself, but... But honestly, within the two hours of evidence given, we, we probably looked at the incident for 15 to 20 minutes. And then it was a lot of um, verbal backwards and forwards about, um, yeah, just the way that the jury had interpreted things on Tuesday night and whether it was reasonable or not. And what was the main argument still being made on the other side of the coin? Uh... Basically that it was that that, that the jury... Um, ever, that the jury had considered the chairman's instructions and that it was fact that they come back with it as being careless. So there was just a lot of there was a lot of jargon around whether it was careless or not and whether the jury had considered 
um, the instructions that it was indeed careless. So it, it all it all revolved around that and whether there was a, whether it was an error of law in the way they interpreted that or not. So that's mate, that went backwards and forwards for so long that my head was spinning. <laughs> uh, Fish, when the appeals board came back uh, after the deliberations, did they announce? The why, or is it just the decision, and then the why comes out afterwards? There's a there's a little bit of a process there. Um, it was more um, more a summary of the case, and then just the decision. So um, it, it was like a little summary statement of what um, both teams had argued, predominantly what the the Giants and Adrian Anderson had argued on behalf of Toby Green. What once again we didn't hear from Toby Green um, today. We we just heard from um, his defence lawyer, and we heard. Um, his defence lawyer, Adrian Anderson, probably was about three quarters, maybe 75 to 80% of the, the hearing and, and maybe 10 to 20% from Jeff Gleeson, who represented the AFL. There wasn't a lot to argue on his on his behalf. A lot of that had been sort of argued on Tuesday night. So, um, yeah, a little summary, I would say, on the proceedings and then just the verdict. So are you, after it's all been said and done, are you surprised by the outcome of this? Um, probably not the appeal process when I step back and have a look. I just, having, having a listen to it, it seems very, very hard to prove that the jury was unreasonable the other night. Perhaps if you'd had to ask me on Tuesday night, I may have been surprised that mm. that was the initial verdict. But once that verdict's given, boy, it seems very, very hard to, to overturn that. Well, and especially when you, you can't cite examples of a similar, exactly. even though they're not exactly the same and the Bailey Fritch incident wasn't exactly the same, but I, I thought there was examples this year and um, even last year's grand final that they might have been able to use just to, to show that, you know, footballing actions can have unintended consequences. And here's some examples of them and here's some examples of when uh, you've that we've, we've allowed players to continue on and, and to not uphold suspension. So... It, 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 I think you're right. It always seemed like he was up against it once the tribunal said no. Yeah, it does. It's just the. It's obviously incumbent upon the defence to prove that the that what the jury the the verdict of the jury and the tribunal jury was unreasonable. It's very very hard to prove that, and I mean they argued long and hard, um, long and hard, but um, it wasn't to be. And once it gets to that stage, that's the first time I've sat in on an appeals board hearing. Um, so I don't have experience with that, but I've sat in on enough tribunals now and um, it, just, it, it did seem really difficult to overturn that tonight. Fish, thank you so much, mate. Great job. Uh, the updates were fantastic coming through on afl.com.au and we appreciate you giving us a summation this evening. Thanks, Sam. Anytime, mate. Uh, great to chat to you. He's a very, very good man and a fantastic reporter and writer. AFL.com.au, Michael Whiting. Uh, we appreciate uh, his insights into that this evening. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. A couple of people wanting to give their view on this. I just want to play you a bit of audio. And I never believed in this until I asked the man who's represented players for 40 years at the AFL when I asked is there such thing as a Toby Green tax? Is there such thing as a bias towards certain players when they front up to the tribunal? This is what Ian Finlay said to me last night. Yeah, there most certainly was. And the obvious one was Dermot Burton. If you remember the incident when he was alleged to have stood on Raiden Tallis's face. Yep. And I did that. And we could categorically prove that when his foot was above him, there was a shadow 
if his foot was on his face, there wouldn't have been a shadow. When you get a guy 90-odd kilos stepping on your face with stops on, you'd leave abrasions or illusion. There was nothing. He was dead set gone before we went there. Uh, it's a very interesting take from a man that knows the system better than most. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can bring myself to believe that something like that would be the case. But this is a guy that did it for 40 years and says, oh, there's absolutely a, a, a set against some. So uh, make of that what you will. Let's get to your calls. Uh, Nick's in Cranbourne. G'day, Nick. Hey, boys. How are you? Good, mate. What do you think? I'm a Richmond man, and I really feel sorry for Toby because... He's a great footballer, and look what Dangerfield did in the grand final. Knocked Nick Rostron out. Didn't even get sighted. Danger actually walked off the ground. He was fine. I just don't get how they can give him a week. I really don't. Oh, I couldn't understand why they gave no, him two not. weeks, Nick. And, and look, they're obviously different circumstances. One is a, a player picking up the ball and then... Uh, pushing an arm out to fend, uh, and the other one was a, a player spoiling the ball and then following through, the arm stayed extended and the connection was made to the head of Nick Vloston. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that uh, Paddy Dangerfield did the wrong thing there. I don't think he deserved to be suspended either. But um, th- this whole idea of the potential to cause injury, well, every, the, just about every single act on the football field has the potential to cause injury. But at the end of the day whilst Paddy was subbed out of that game, he hasn't missed training this week and he will play this week. So we we just still scratch our heads and go, I'm no closer to understanding. This is my gut feel that I'm just no closer to understanding and this is, uh, this is my profession and I'm still no closer to understanding how this works. No closer. Dave's in North Fitzroy. G'day, Dave. Oh, g'day, Sammy. How are you, mate? Oh, all the better for speaking to you, mate. What do you think? Um, this is no criticism to um, to Green. Like he's just such a competitor and this and that. But he was like that sling stop um, kicking action years back, and um, yep, and he just yeah, he just such a competitor he pushes the line yeah he does Dave uh, and that's not supposed to count against him we don't have loading anymore it's not supposed to be a factor Um, but as Ian Finlay says uh, it definitely is so uh, yeah it's an interesting point you raise uh, and thank you for raising it Uh, Greg's in Blackburn g'day Greg g'day Sam Um, I don't I disagree with that last guy I reckon I've watched this 30 times and I'm not sure whether he should have gone off or on, you know, offered. However, I know Danger slid down, but in that split instant, Toby did raise, he, he saw him and he raised his elbow. Um, whether that's, and, and if he hadn't raised his elbow, they might have smashed heads. That, that's my conundrum. Yeah, absolutely. I feel he raised a forearm, but I feel like the contact was made with the elbow, I don't think that there was... I mean, to throw an elbow, I reckon you've got to have the fist near your chest. And a, But I think he went to raise forearm, but the connection was made closer to the elbow. So I'm with you. And what might have happened if he didn't, um, he knows, you know, in that split second that it is danger and he's one of the strongest players in the game. So he has to be strong in his efforts to repel. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, it's one of those things... If that motion, if they want that motion taken out of the game, Greg... And that's 
the decision that comes down that we are going to make that an illegal non-footballing action or we're going to do what we've done with the bump. If you choose to do it and you get them high, you're gone. But we thought that was with the bump and we've still seen examples where you've bumped, you've got someone high, but you're not gone. So the potential to cause injury doesn't come into that, but it will with this, not with others, but with others it will. Um, at the moment, it's still a football action to, to use your forearm to fend. Justin Lepich went through the, the, the three ways to do that with Jared Whiteley. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible head scratcher. Uh, and some agree. And there's some who think, no, no, I think that's where, and I'm okay with the view that I think that's a week and, and I'm happy for him to have a week. Um, but at the moment, the fend is, is not an illegal football action. Uh, and I do think Paddy Dangerfield slipping contributed to the point of contact as well. Again, not having a crack at him. He's going in to try and lay a tackle. But thank you for the calls. We're going to just uh, – we're lucky enough that Jason McCartney from the Giants, um, their uh, footy boss, is going to join us on the other side of this to get a reaction straight away from GWS on how they feel about the events uh, of this evening. So we'll go to a break and come back. Jason McCartney still to join us. Ash Maloney, uh, Olympic bronze medalist as well. And I do want to talk about the wonderful news today in the AFLW that uh, all 18 teams will field a side in the competition come AFLW 7 for the 2022-2023 season. This is the Sporting Capital, SEN. Toby Green, uh, unsuccessful at the appeals board this evening. The one-match ban that was downgraded from a two-match ban at the tribunal uh, will stand and he will miss uh, tomorrow night's must-win Finals ramification having contest with the Tigers uh, at Marvel Stadium. The Giants uh, footy boss, uh, Jason McCartney, has been good enough to give him give us some of his time uh, very quickly after that decision has been handed down. And we're very grateful to you, Jason, for joining us. Thank you for being with us on the Sporting Capital. Evening, Sam. How are you tonight? Oh, look, I'm really well, but uh, I'm not in your shoes. How, <laughs> are the, how, what are you feeling right now? Oh, look, you're always disappointed, but uh, what I would say, we, we had a really a good, strong case uh, we put forward. And obviously tonight at an appeals board, we had a fair hearing. It went for over three hours. Gave them a lot to think about. And obviously the difference with tonight, yeah, it's quite legal. And the discussions around um, arguing around uh, a point of law and a difference. Um, so it went for a long time and we, we were obviously thinking we had a chance, but it, it didn't go our way. And what you do now, you move on pretty quickly. Yeah, it's unfortunate that Toby can't be out there Friday night and it's an important game. But, um, you know, like last week, we had eight players out and we, we put other players in and, and we're able to salute. So, yeah, we've got to really focus on the job at hand now, knowing that Toby does come back the following week. Bit of deja vu, isn't there? 2019, not the same incident, but the same man and um, the same sort of process. We had to go all the way to the appeals board to try and get him into that must-win uh, prelim against the Pies, which you, you held on to at the time. But it's, I mean, this game in the context of your season is just as important as, as that one is. And uh, you don't have your, your most important player. Um, do you scratch your head a little bit in regards to the process? Has there been frustration, Jason, from the club about the inability to use um, evident, like examples of similar incidents this year, which may have really helped in terms of precedents that have been set? Yeah, I think, Sam, uh, I suppose my point in our club's view around that is there's been, look, just overall there's been a lot of inconsistencies and, that, and that's probably all I can say on that. So um, obviously uh, that's, that's probably some things that um, in the cold light of day come the end of the season and when 
I suppose we've had two seasons now really impacted by the, the COVID pandemic. And this is probably one that, that, that needs to be looked at at the end of the year and some thought given to, you know, how, how can it be just tightened up a little bit moving forward? So just so we haven't got the, the number of inconsistencies we're getting. Jason, I know you've got to be careful how you'd answer this, but we get a lot of texts that come through from our fantastic audience who are convinced that just some players there is a set against, and I've never bought into it. But last night I had Ian Finlay on, a man that you would know. I don't know if he ever represented you, but some of your more aggressive teammates he might have over the 40 years that he was um, a player's advocate for at the tribunal. I asked him, and he didn't hesitate to say, oh, yeah, there's definitely bias against certain players. Do, do you find it... Do sometimes you find it really hard not to think that, geez, is that what we're facing here? Because it, it, the inconsistencies that are there, do you do you do, do you feel that that, geez, what, what 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 is it against this guy? Well, to your first point, there, I was chuckling to myself when you're mentioning uh, Ian Finlay because he did uh, represent me on a, a number of occasions. He, he never got me off once. Oh no! And the most the most important one was after the '99 prelim final where I missed the grand final. So. Thanks for bringing that up, Sam. Oh, so no, I'm sorry. But no, no, on, on, on the Toby fact, no, look, no, we, you know, uh, it is a hard one for me to comment on. We, you know, you, you hope that that's not the case and every, I suppose, case is just judged on its merit. So we, we just love the way Toby goes about his footy. He's just such an inspirational leader. Yes, he, he plays on the line um, and that's why I think his teammates love him so much. So... Yeah, look, like I said on the, from the outset, it's um, disappointing you haven't got a player of that quality out there Friday night, but we've just had this ability um, over the past, whether it be this year, and you talked about a big occasion in 2019 where we've got other blokes that can step in and, and hopefully we get the job done. We're under no illusion. We're playing a fantastic uh, footy club in the Tigers on Friday night, but, yep, someone else will step in and, and they'll give a good account of themselves. Speaking of Jason McCartney, Giants footy boss on the Sporting Capital, Jason... Um, do you get do you get clarification as to because we obviously we know that the there's a short little statement that gets released on the appeals board saying this is what was all said and this is what how it all went and this is our decision. Does the club get a bit more of a detailed explanation as to why you weren't successful? No, look, it was a detailed explanation tonight. But to be honest, you'd ask you'd have to get our legal counsel and Adrian Anderson to to be able to explain it all because as I said in the outset the outset of this discussion tonight, it was. It was uh, it was very much a high level legal discussion tonight, more so than just standard uh, tribunal. So uh, obviously we're unsuccessful in in our case against arguing against a, a technicality and uh, uh, and disagreement with a point of law in what the handy the finding was, obviously uh, earlier in the week. Um, and with that, we obviously went down the avenues that are available. We've exhausted all those options. So yep. So now you uh, have to rest with the umpire's decision. If a young player comes up to you and says, do I need to change the way that I look to fend an opponent off who's coming in hard and strong to tackle me, what do you tell that player? Yeah, it's a difficult one because they're, they're split seconds or in this occasion, and that was that formed the foundation of our discussion at the tribunal earlier in the week, that this was, uh, I think Adrian had, had worked out, Adrian Anderson, it was 0.12 of a second. So they're just so split second mm. instinctive decision so it, it's it's just very difficult when uh, two players at uh, I suppose high speed are attacking a contest and one gets there a bit earlier so it's yeah it, it's harder I suppose you know nine times out of ten occasions on that 
most likely, regardless if it's Toby Green or it's uh, Patrick Dainsfield, the other side, or any other player, uh, there's a fair chance that that action occurs. And we see it commonly occur many times on a football field. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one that's hard to answer if a young player did come and, and pose that question to Yeah, I think a lot of it is hard to answer, Jase. Um just on the game, lastly, I mean, as I said, there's shades of 2019 for this. It's a bit deja vu-ish, and that was at the time a really galvanising one with the injuries you had and Toby not being there and that us against them, and, you know, we're up against it here. You brought in six big changes, so Hogan, Hopper, Mumford and Kelly uh, come into that side. So it's pretty decent cover you've got coming in, but there's no one like Toby Green, but it all does set the stage for a huge, huge game this weekend. Oh, it certainly does. It certainly does. And obviously, we've spoken about the out, but the, the inclusions are, are very strong and some high quality there. So the, the key for us, Sam, to be honest, is, is finding that bit more of a consistency in our game. Probably since the since the mid-season bye, we've, we've had some really strong performances and beaten some of the best sides in the competition. But then we've had some performances and, and full credit to the opposition at times where we just we just haven't been at that consistent level. So that's what we're striving for. And obviously the win last week gave us a chance that you know our destiny is in our hands for the rest of the season and we're not relying on anyone else. So it's all back on us, just the ability to, to get the job done. Jason, really appreciate you joining us. Uh, it's a bitter pill to swallow for you guys as a club, but uh, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. No, thanks, Sam. The good thing about it, at least we get to play tomorrow night, so we jump into footy mode very quickly. Absolutely. Glass half full. I like it. Thank you very much. Uh, it's an honour to have you on. Cheers, Jase. Thanks, Sam. Take care. Uh, one of the very good footy people, uh, Jason McCartney, and uh, very generous with his time, and so too other club, and we thank them for it. Uh, we're going to change tack. Uh, Ash Maloney uh, created history uh, last week on this night, Thursday night, when he, when he was able to nab our first ever decathlon medal. We will speak to him next on the Sporting Capital. And Ashley Marnie is the brightest talent um, that Australia has in the multi-events. He's just amazing. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of, of Ash and um, what he's capable of doing in the future. Ash will be one of the greatest athletes on the planet. If he doesn't get injured at any stage, he will break Mayer's world record by hundreds of points. He is just ridiculously good. He's got he's got 685 points. It's a personal best of 439. He's the bronze medalist here at 21 years of age. The youngest man on our team here. And Ash Baloney creates a lot of history here at the Olympic Games in the decathlon. He certainly did. Our very first medal in the decathlon, Ash Maloney. The first voice you heard there was 1984 gold medalist Glenis Nunn in the heptathlon. I spoke to her two months out from the Olympics and she told us that Ash Maloney is someone to watch. The second voice, his coach, uh, Eric Brown, who says that Ash is going to be maybe the greatest athlete on the planet one day. So... What a thrill it is to speak to the man himself uh, who created that piece of history this night a week ago. And I'm sure it's been a whirlwind ever since. Ash Maloney's on the phone. Hello, mate. Hello. Hey, man. How's it going? Uh, I'm very well. But then again, I just didn't win a bronze medal, so I can only imagine how well you're going. How has the last week, how has the last week been for you? Uh, it's been a bit overwhelming, actually. I've been getting countless messages from random people like, especially teenagers saying that, like, I've inspired them. People only, like, a couple years younger than me, like, saying that I've, like, inspired them to start doing decathlon or inspired them to, you know, get going. And I don't know. Like, it's been pretty incredible. 
Well, it is, and, and at 21 years of age, mate, you, you went into these, your first Olympics, a world junior champion, 2018, Oceania record holder, uh, just a young bloke from Logan, just south of Brisbane in Queensland, uh, Cameron Smith's hometown and many other greats of Australian sport. And then you find yourself where you are now. I can only imagine how much of a chain of scenery it's been. Where do we find you at the moment? Where do you find me? Yeah, oh, where I'm are you? from Logan. <laughs> oh, you're back home? Oh, yeah, I'm back in Brisbane. Oh, oh, I'm I'm in quarantine at the moment. Yeah, been here for three days so far. Yeah, how's that going? Um, it's been pretty unreal actually. So, um, <laughs> on my Instagram, I um I throw up my where I'm staying, and I've been getting so many packages from so many lovely people. Um, just wanting to um show their support, which is just crazy. Mate, it's it's phenomenal. Um, in the, in the time that you've had, I'd love to know how you managed to celebrate uh, and what the festivities of like have been like since that night last week on Thursday evening. Yeah, um, it wasn't too much celebrating to be honest. Um, all there was, but um, because of COVID, you can't really like mingle with the other countries as much. And obviously, you don't want to come back with COVID. Um, because then you're going to be in quarantine for even longer. So yeah, just ask the South Australian athletes. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit rough, hey? Yeah, it is. Uh, so w- w- did you get a chance to, obviously, you and Cedric, did you get the chance to spend a bit of time together? We're going to speak about that moment between the two of you, but did you get around some of the other athletes in the village? Were you watching the boomers? What, how did you spend the, the few days that you were able to, just soaking up as much of the environment as you could? Um, we were... The- um, few of the last events, but the last few, the last, the day after we competed, like we had um, McDermott competing, um, Stewie McSwain. Uh, we had all three chaps throwers in the um, final. Um, so yeah, we had um, plenty to do to watch the other athletes go, and um, it was pretty incredible to watch those guys at the at the Olympics. Well, when you were sitting there watching that, and and in the time that you've had since, has has the enormity of what you've been able to achieve, do you feel like it's sunk in to you yet to be our first ever decathlete medalist, to be only 21, and you knowing your sport as well as you do? Eric Brand tells us that people aren't just able to do what you've done at the age of 21 in your sport. Has it been able to, Has it dawned on you yet? I don't think it's dawned on me yet, to be honest. Um, I think I'm just taking it as it goes, and um, it it did a little bit, like, as I was sort of saying just before in quarantine, where people are just wanting to give me stuff <laughs> and, um, out of the kindness of their hearts. Like, it's just, that was a little bit overwhelming, but also really, really cool. What are some of the things that have been uh, sent to you? Um, I've gotten about two Macca's deliveries. Uh-huh. Um, I got a beauty package from a lovely lady. Nice. Um, I've gotten some pancakes. Um, I received some dog food. Interesting. <laughs> Cat food. Um, one cabbage, two bananas. Right. Um, I'd imagine a fair few phone numbers. A fair few, fair few phone numbers in there as well. No, no, nothing okay. like that. Rightio. No, fair um, enough. Lots of Instagram tags on those. <laughs> um, Ash, yeah. the, the the moment itself. I mean. You, you've probably relived it a thousand times in your head, but decathlon isn't a, a sport of a moment. It's a sport of moments. You've got 10 
disciplines that you've got to be at, at, at peak physical condition for and not just peak physical condition, but peak skill level. And it's an extraordinary event. It's one of the most unique events in sport. Do you obviously we look at the fifteen hundred meters, and we'll talk about that with you and Cedric. But is there another moment in the events leading up to that 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 really do stick out to you that you that you're remembering really fondly? I mean, you set PBs in the hundred meters, the high jump, the hundred and ten meter hurdles, and the fifteen hundred. But was there another event other than the last that really um, is is coming to the fore when you think back on it? I think the 110 hurdles, actually. Um, that was an event where I almost screwed up really bad. Um, I'm pretty sure I tripped over the second hurdle. It happened so fast, so I'm not really too sure. But I tripped over the second hurdle, and I, I could feel my center of gravity like falling forward. And I almost um, stacked it pretty bad, and that would have been the end of my um, decathlon if that happened. Isn't that amazing? That, that, that early stage of the events, it might have been all done and dusted. What? How quickly? I mean, obviously you've got to overcome it pretty quickly, and you did because you set a PB in it. How hard is it to to get those almost moments out of your mind to go? Oh, geez, that that could have almost been the end of it. Well, that's the thing. Like I talk to my coach about it all the time. Like decathlon is one of those events where, yeah, it's two days long, but there is so much that can go wrong. You could foul out in the second event of the day. Mm. Like it's that easy, and um. We obviously don't get the time to perfect our craft as much as other athletes would. Say if we we're just doing long jump, we would be able to practice our long jump every day, but we can't. So there is a lot of uncertainty leading into decathlon, and it's it's why I start at much lower heights and like high jump and pole vault, just because I I'm terrified of failing out. So how do you set up a training week? You, there's not. A, I was having this chat um, during the, the week with. Um, Ryan Gregson, uh, who was part of our, our coverage of the games. And I said, there's not enough days in the week to do an event a day. So how do you set up your training week for 10 events? Um, it's quite hectic, actually. So um, we normally do double days, sometimes even triple days. Um, and we train uh, literally seven days a week. It's a full-time job at this point. Um, so Monday, we'll do like gym in the morning and 400 meters training in the afternoon. Tuesday would be gym, shot put, and um, high jump. Yeah, you get the picture. Like, we're just trying to throw everything on the table all the time. (laughs) Ash Maloney with us on the Sporting Capital. More with him on the other side of this. Olympic bronze medalist Ash Maloney with us on the Sporting Capital. The, the the last event, obviously the fifteen hundred, is going to live on in Australian Olympic history, and it's not just because of your your performance in getting bronze, but it's for Cedric as well. It, it it is one of the images that will endure the test of time, and it'll be shown at probably every Olympics and in any moment that anyone discusses sportsmanship and the Australian Olympic spirit and what it all means. How how do you reflect on that particular moment? Because we're going to reflect on it throughout history from now on. What are your memories of that race? And, and now what are your feelings around those moments with Cedric? Um, me and Cedric are quite close. Um, so it was really awesome having the, like, obviously, like the day-to-day person going for a run, like it's really hard to do it on your own. So when you have someone there, it's so much easier. And that's exactly what happened in the 1500. He was able to keep me going. And um, he started screaming at me in that last 300. And I'm 
proud to um, show that, like, we showed off our Aussie spirit to the whole world, and I think that shows. Um, yeah, it's incredible, incredible how well um, the Australians and the world has responded to that. It's been compared with obviously John Landy in 1956, and I think it'll live on the test of time, just like it did. Um, are you wrapped too that Cedric's getting the props alongside you for for what he was doing in those moments with and for you? Yeah, I'm I'm stoked for him. He's um he's an incredible athlete and deserves everything that comes comes to him. Um, and it's it's only great for athletics as well. So I, I, I'm not complaining at all. So with with this, and you spoke about how you're getting these responses from people saying you've inspired me to, to try decathlon, which is what is wonderful about the Olympics. I mean, it, it's almost like every four years for, for these sports, the Olympics are so many things, but one of the things that it is absolutely is a recruitment drive for these sports that don't ever get any other airtime unless it's at an Olympic year. So that's, in, that's incredibly powerful what you've done for the sport and what you're doing for future generations of it. When I know that wouldn't be lost on you. So, but what about your own future? What's next for you? Your your coach has come out and made some big statements about what could be for you. Greatest athlete on the planet. Um, he said most athletes, decathletes, are only getting scores of seventy five hundred at the age of twenty one. You were getting you got eight thousand six hundred and forty nine. He said that your hundred meters is 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 closing in on the best times in Australia. Your four hundred is the second best time. Is the future just decathlon and and dominating decathlon, or is there going to be more? Uh, events for you maybe at, at Paris um, I'm going to try and dominate the decathlon as much as I can um, my coach Eric Brown is um, I hate to say it um, on radio but he's an extremely smart man and he's I wouldn't say guess but he's predicted everything I've done in my career so far um, so you guys can take his word for it but I'm not going to count my chickens and I'm just going to keep working hard and push for um, Paris 2024 no, I love it, mate. And we, do you, do you get? I mean, obviously, do you get now that you're going to be a pretty hot commodity? And from going to, as you say, it's almost a full time job. And we know that, especially in, in events like yours, there's not a heap of money to keep you going. From, you know, you're not living in mansions and things like that. Are you aware of what life might become now with with what you've achieved? Well, um, I'm not a materialistic person, and I'm happy to sit back a little bit. But um, I'm, I'm fingers crossed my life changes um, and makes training for the decathlon easier, and so I can represent Australia better at 2024. Beautifully done. What about the family, mate? Um, how proud they must be, uh, and and what are some of the responses you've had? Oh, my family is um, extremely proud, and. Um, I'm not sure how to take it yet. You know, everyone coming up toward coming to me and saying, "Oh, congratulations, congratulations!" It's um, it's quite overwhelming. I called my mum straight after a uh, while I was getting drug tested after I um got my medal, and um, I was like, I just called her and said, "Oh, hey, mum, how's it going?" Actually, like nothing happened. And she's like, "Oh my god, stop it, Ash!" <laughs> <laughs> uh, last question. You mentioned that you're getting people's uh, messages saying that you're um, inspiring them. Who inspired you as a kid uh, for you to, to get into sports in the first place? Whose posters did you have on your wall? I never really was inspired by anyone, to be honest. Um, I just um, I started sport just to fit in because, um, yeah, I just I had a bit of a rough time um, at, at primary school, and yeah, I, I started to fit in, and um, 
hopefully I can inspire other people to get into sport to fit in too. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that you, you had a rough time in primary school, but I'm glad that, that sport was able to give you a place to connect. Uh, and well, that's now you've connected. About sport. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And now you've connected with the whole country and the world. Yeah. Mate, congratulations. Absolutely wrap for you. Appreciate your time. Good luck in the rest of lockdown. Sounds like you won't need it. Sounds like you're getting uh, a lot of care packages sent in. We appreciate your time. Congratulations on what you've achieved. Good luck with everything that you've got ahead of you in the future. Uh, Thanks, man. I appreciate that. What an impressive young man, Ash Maloney, and what an exciting future and what an ambassador for his sport and for our country. Uh, Just a star in the making and already one now at 21 years of age. Hey, just to finish off, because Test Cricket, England, India up next. What a day for our competition. A, A landmark day for our game in this country. All 18 clubs now with Hawthorne, Essen and Sydney, Port Adelaide joining the fray will field AFLW teams from AFLW 7 on 2022-2023 season. Um, Through every lens that you want to look at AFL, by any measurement that you want to apply to AFLW, it's been a phenomenal success in its own right uh, and to the game as a whole. Participation, membership, sponsorship, inspiration, finding new audiences, providing new facilities, uh, upgrade of old facilities, funding, new jobs, new opportunities, um, new people into our game and and people finding a place in our game and being told that there's a place for our game that never thought there was one before. Hasn't been perfect. There's things that could have been done better and in the future will need to be done better. There's things like pay, coaching representation of women, the infrastructure, the staffing of it all, the model of the season uh, and, and a few other things as well. But it will get better and better. And even the most vehement of haters can't argue that it has boosted the sport on every single level that I just mentioned. Every club has publicly and privately spoken about how having a women's program has been to the betterment of the men's and for the betterment of their club uh, overall. That's why these four teams were falling over themselves to get into this competition, having not taken the opportunity when they did, which I was ashamed as a Hawthorne member that we never did. And I'm rapt to see that Hawthorne uh, is finally now going to be able to put a team out. Uh, I remember a conversation I had with my niece in 2016 um, where I said, oh, do you want to play footy one day or do you want to commentate with Uncle Sam? And she said, well, I'll I'll commentate because girls don't get to play footy. A year later after the AFLW uh, came in, she said, nah, I want to play footy now. And this year, it's my highlight of the year, pretty much. I got to go and watch her play for her school. It still brings a tear to my eye. She actually played on Sean Burgoyne's son that day. Um, but it, I was, I've never been more proud. And I, and I know that that's an experience that mums and dads and brothers and sisters and grandparents are having um, with their daughters and, and, and nieces and, and granddaughters all around this country. Uh, what a story that is uh, and what an exciting future that is. So great day. Um, really proud of what today brought, and I hope you are too. Hey, Test Cricket up next. Thanks for your calls. Thanks for your texts. Test Cricket England, India. It's up next on SEN. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.